Buckley. I'm here with Pastor Troy Albee. The co-host. Here we are on our 14th episode now that we're kicked back off in the fall with uh, this podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Jonathan, tell folks what we're going to be covering. Yeah, so we're obviously we do um, subject matter uh, things. We do topics uh, related to the Christian life. Topics related to the Christian life. We do um, uh, testimonies and interviews with people in the church. But today we're going to do a little bit of something. I think this is the first time Mm -hmm. we're doing this, but it's we're going to be doing a, a small little book recommendation for um, you know, we read various things that have um, major impacts on our walk in our in our faith, and this for me was one of them that I had read previously, yep. but I reread it um, when I was going through some stuff recently, and it just really clicked. So yep. there's certain books that you stumble across, and um, we're gonna try and highlight those books as they come up in our in our lives and our walks. So um, I know that. Troy, you've you've mentioned. Oh, this is this book is I've purchased probably a hundred copies over the really? years and handed them out to various people. Uh, the title of the book is uh, Timothy Keller's book called "The Freedom of Self Forgetfulness." Now, the subtitle of the book is "The Path to True Christian Joy." It's such a short read; you could do it in one sitting, right, John? Uh, who who else has benefited in our church that you know of uh, from this from this book this resource? Yes, so I was talking to Corey and Peter um, Salmons uh, this past Sunday. We after youth group, and I had known they. I've talked to them a couple of times about this book, and and so I know that they've both benefited from this book. And um, I, Corey actually, I, it's probably a good time to read this. Corey, I asked Corey if she had any thoughts on how this book you know has impacted her life, and so I had her send me what her thoughts were and she's good yeah i'll read that now so she says one of the premises of keller's book is that we are constantly invited by our culture and our own hearts to justify ourselves to make sure that we are good enough but because of what christ has done for us this is like standing in an empty courtroom waiting for judgment christ has declared us righteous the case is closed and no one is there and no one is there so why are we after I read this book, I could see just how often I was putting myself in the courtroom, sometimes without even thinking or without even realizing it. It's such a great picture of how the gospel can meet us in our daily lives and a helpful frame of reference to help us anytime we struggle with feeling that we just don't measure up. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. We're definitely going to need to come back to that theme um, on the courtroom because that's yes. kind of how he concludes the book. Uh, you know, that kind of goes along with... Um, and by the way, if you were to put in a word, John, what would be the one word that kind of summarizes the book? What what one one theme would capture the the theme of the book? Probably humility. Yeah, gospel. And the way he phrases it is gospel. Is a gospel humility. humility. Yeah, As yeah. And that's not that's not uh, that is not something that we typically treasure as virtuous, something that is desirous in people that, you know, we look up to, uh, in our culture at least. And I, and I remember, uh, you know, a few weeks back we were uh, preaching through the life of David in Second Samuel, and it was a, a sermon in chapter 15 um, when I read a quote um, from a particular article by Marshall Seagull talking about success, particularly in the realm of our career, but just the theme of success, which in some ways is, this is like our culture, right? He talks about how success is is the drug of choice among Americans. Um, you know, it's a slow and subtle ki- uh, killer. Um, you know, there's there's good reasons to try to succeed in your work, and there's plenty of bad reasons too. He says that can be kind of sinister, and uh, and in long term they don't glorify God. But this is what he writes. Uh, he says success promises. 
Um, well, this is what he, I'll rewind a little bit in the article. He says, if you only ascend this high or accumulate this much of success, your fears and insecurities will be resolved once and for all. Success promises the love of those around us. They will finally give you the respect and affection you crave. Success says it can cover everything wrong about us. It offers esteem, control, and security, everything we surrendered in our sin. It wears the Savior's costume, and it presents itself the strong, charming, and trustworthy hero. But success is a horrible hero and an even worse God. Mm. How does this book address that God, that drug of choice that we are, we are pushing and we are promoting success and really what, what I think Keller in the book says is, is the inflated ego, really. How do you feel like this book has helped or could help others well, deal with that? Yeah, I mean, I think that in some of what Keller mentions in the book is that our ego is very fragile and very um, susceptible to inputs. So, like, for, for to, to maintain... For me, it's like to maintain an ego is the harder part because like is like it, it constantly and this is what Keller talks about is that it constantly requires like affirmations from all sorts of different places. It's like when you're in the court, it's the courtroom analogy. Like you're in the courtroom and there needs to be constant evidence of of um, that you are smart, funny, good looking, or whatever else, and it needs to come mm. at high velocity. It needs to come frequently, otherwise your 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 ego will become deflated. And, yeah. and that's what, you know, that's what he talks about in this book is that they, it, 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 he says that their ego, what was the phrase, that it requires, it's like a high maintenance or something. Oh, yeah. That phrase, Which is but. really, that's, that doesn't sound very liberating. That doesn't sound very free if we're really true and honest about it. He talks about, but we live in a culture, of course, you know, like I said, that, that, that success is the drug of choice. It's the, it is the thing that we're oftentimes chasing after. Uh, and even if we don't get a certain degree of that success, um, you know, we, we we're down in the dumps. And so we say that why, you know, Keller talks about in here, the, the solution people oftentimes feel like, why is there, why, why is there problems? Why are, why are, why are people falling into, uh, bad cycles or drug addiction? Why is there crime? And so right. often they would say, oh, it's because of a lack of self-esteem. Self-esteem. Yeah. Always. And, uh, and, and yeah. It's also, uh, it's also funny. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. So it's also funny because what he also mentioned is that um, that in previous like non-Western societies, non-traditional, non-traditional yeah. societies, um, that that the the reason that these people um, were committing crimes or, or doing um, antisocial behavior like cr- criminality and stuff was because of a high self esteem, yeah. and because they thought too 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 much of themselves and 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 thought too much of of their own, you know, importance or whatever. And now like that's flipped where in the West or wherever that these people have low self-esteem. So like he just, he mentions that self, I think his point was that like self-esteem is not a good, um, like explainer of many things. It becomes, oh, yeah. And it's insufficient in, in explaining things, you know, especially things such as like, like societal phenomenon or, or even within our own self, because the, 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 the problem is that the too much, and this is obviously the point of the book is that like, the self is the problem, not, mm-hmm. not, not, yeah. you, you know, the self as a reference point. Yeah. And it's so easy to be a reference point. I mean, we've all been there, right? You can see the times that we've been in a room 
um, you know, with several of our peers and someone tells a, you know, a great engaging, funny story that, you know, and then what, what are we, what are we tempted to do? We have to make a funnier one. We, we got to come up with something better, yeah. you know, or why is it, John, that sometimes we can't, you know, the Bible clearly says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice uh, and, and we should, we should mourn with those who mourn. What, what keeps us from doing that? Like when we hear about someone else who's gotten, you know, a promotion or has succeeded or has, you know, gained something, why is it that sometimes we can't find joy in that? Because it's, it's, it's an assault on us. If we're not, you know, if we're, if we're thinking through our, our self lens, it's, it's, well, why didn't I get the promotion yeah. or, or how come, you know, so it's always a constant reference to ourself and like, and that, you know, that, that, you know, a part of Keller's larger point in the book is like, if you meet a truly humble gospel centered person, you're not, you're not going to necessarily come out with the impression that that person is so humble or, or that person is so has a low view of themselves has low, or has yeah. a low view of themselves or something else is that that person was genuinely interested in me and, and, and was asking mm. questions about me and, and seemed genuinely interested. And I mean, we all have people in our lives and if we're not careful, we can be these people that when we are in a conversation, um, we are asking questions or, or whatever we're doing um, in, in many ways to benefit from that, from that question or benefit from that conversation. So like, Oh yeah. So like we can be these people that are self-obsessed and we often, oftentimes we are. So like, I think the point is that like C.S. Lewis also has a good quote. I'll, yeah, I'll pull it up actually. Cause I think that this is going right along those lines. Um, you Keller, you kind of is channeling the, uh, the wisdom of, of C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, has a chapter on pride. And in it, that's where he talks about that person. That person doesn't have a low view of themselves, is not, doesn't seem super insecure or, or is, you know, just down on themselves. He says they would not be always telling us, a, a humble person would not always be telling us they were a nobody because a person who keeps saying they're a nobody is actually a self-obsessed person. The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. And then this is probably the finest quote in the book. And I've used it many, many times in teaching and in sermons. It says, because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. It's not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's, it's thinking of myself less. So that that freedom that can only come when we stop thinking about ourselves, stop obsessing, whether we are, are wallowing in self-pity, which sometimes I refer to as the reverse form of pride, or whether we're boasting and having to constantly ask other people to affirm our successes. Yeah. This happens at so many different levels, you know, in so many different interactions and relationships and, and realms of, of life. What's an, what's another quote that you found uh, helpful, John, that was... All right, yeah, so um, I do have another quote I wanted to talk about, and Keller mentions C.S. Lewis quite a bit, uh, quotes from him in this, and C.S. Lewis has a really good, as he does throughout mere Christianity, has a really good way of phrasing, um, or as putting, um, like, how our self-comparisons uh, play out. So he says... 
This is Keller. In his famous chapter on pride and mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis points out that pride is by nature com- competitive. It is competitiveness. It is competitiveness that is at the very heart of pride. He goes on then to quote um, C.S. Lewis by saying, "Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next person." We can, we say that people are proud of being rich, clever, or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer, cleverer, or better-looking than others. It. If everyone else became equally rich, equally clever, or equally good-looking, there would be no nothing to be proud about. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, that's, that's what C.S. Lewis does best. He frames things in such a unique way that is like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, like if everyone was equally, you know... Yeah, it's almost for the same reason that a good comedian, you know, connects with people because you you just identify with yeah. with those 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 struggles or those those mishaps in life or those interactions. And when you hear C.S. Lewis sometimes reflect on it in mere Christianity, and I would say Keller, who we lost uh, yes. this this summer, uh, went to be with the Lord. Uh, you know, still still, uh, um, yeah, just a, a profound impact on a lot of people's lives because of his writing, and now we're enjoying it. Maybe it's good for us to go back, John, to the very beginning of the book, which is really the launching point mm-hmm. of this topic, which I, I think this is really just a, a sermon that there are maybe a couple of sermons that uh, Keller had given on a passage. The passage is uh, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So he's talking about the whole the whole matter of boasting, and he doesn't, and he's he's come under fire, and and he says, you know what, I don't care. He says this is what he writes in First Corinthians chapter three. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord. And then he goes on to say, hey, the Lord's going to be the judge. He'll, the Apostle Paul says, at the appointed time, God's going to come and shine the light on people. And then he closes, well, the portion going into chapter 4, he says, is, then you will not take pride in one man over against another, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So, in other words, if we see that someone else is flourishing and doing well, we don't have any qualms about complimenting them or feeling insecure around that person because we're just delighting in the gifts yeah. that God gave them. So it's not the other person or ourself that's the reference point. It's God. And when God's the reference point, it's a significant game changer. And it's one of the reasons that he says, I don't care. I don't even care what I think about myself. I don't care what, what I, how I view me and how you view me is not what's most important is what, how God views me. And everything that we have is from God. So it almost makes it sound, you know, like we have some degree of freedom to even accept compliments. Mm-hmm. D- does that make sense? Like there's a way to receive a compliment that is, it's, it's a false humility or it's a, it's a super egocentric, you know, person, right? Yeah. They, they just want more and more. Or the other person is, you know, is just is just denying that they have good things, good qualities, because they see it as something about themselves still, as opposed to saying, "Oh, well, thank you. You know, God gave me these gifts, and I'm glad that they're, they're benefiting somebody." Yes. Which, which would be a good way of responding to a compliment. Um, how do we respond when <laughs> when people around us are complimented? Um, you know, that's a whole other thing too. You know, what we say things like we say to ourselves, "Why, why not me?" 
Why am I not getting recognized? Why am I not getting praised? Why am I not being thanked? I'll never forget years and years ago in the life of our local church. I remember, uh, I remember uh, there were a group of, of, of people helping out with a particular uh, outreach that the church put on, and I thanked a couple of them. And and I, you know, I just made a mistake. I forgot to to, to thank this one other person, and uh, I, you know, it, it was just devastating. And uh, it caused a lot of problems. I was, you know, I was given the opportunity to try to make amends, but you could tell this had really undone this person. And it made me kind of wonder, what was their motivation for doing it? I don't know. I, I can't judge their heart. Again, their view of me and their view of them isn't the relevant, the relevant thing. On any given day, the, the most relevant thing is what does God think about me? Yeah. Yeah, and ultimately that's what, that's, this is what, you know, this, this little book, uh, ends with is that that courtroom scene and, and like ultimately like who is who if we were in the courtroom like and i'll, I'll just i'm gonna read some of this sure because it's it, it's it's beautiful actually well can i just before you read that i think that just to clarify what courtroom we're talking about because i think that sometimes right. when we're talking about how do we perform how do we succeed how do we look you're talking about the court of public opinion and i'm telling you yeah. that is a bad place to adjudicate <laughs> Anything, anything, you you know, it may work for you until it doesn't. I mean, the court of public opinion, it, it can it can boast you, it, it can cause you to boast in yourself in a skinny minute, and it can also ruin your entire reputation and career or your 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 dreams, and 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 it'll it'll be devastating in the in the court of public opinion. But let's just take that into the court of of God, God's God's view. Now, there's voices in that courtroom that come from the world, but ultimately, who's on the bench? You know, who's who's sitting in authority and judgment over us? It's in it's in God's courtroom. So anyway, that, maybe that's a, that's a helpful a perfect, way. To, yeah, good segue. A perfect Great. segue because what he says is that um, we look for that ultimate verdict every day in all situations, and in, in all the situations and people around us, and that means that every single day we are on trial. Mm-hmm. Every day we put ourselves back in that courtroom of public opinion, which mm-hmm. we're talking about. But, but do, but do you notice how Paul says that he does not care what the Corinthians think of him or what any human court thinks? It is odd that he is talking about courts. After all, the Corinthians are not a court. He is talking metaphorically. Uh, I think. Uh, metaphorically, I think, and he is saying the problem with self-esteem, whether it's is high or low, is that every single day we are in the courtroom. Every single day we are on trial. That is a way that everyone's identity works. In the courtroom, you have the prosecution and you have the defense, and everything we do is providing evidence for the cr- prosecution or evidence for the defense. Some days we feel we are winning the trial, and other days we feel we are losing. But Paul says that he has found the secret. The trial is over for him. He is out of the courtroom. It is gone. It is over. Now, how could that be? Paul puts it very simply. He knows that they cannot justify him. He knows that he cannot justify himself. And what does he say? He says that it is the Lord who judges him, and it is only his opinion that counts. And what happens in that transaction in that courtroom, um, the Bible tells us, of course, Keller highlights it here, is that Jesus steps down, and then he goes on trial, and Jesus suffers the consequences of our sin in our place so that we can be forgiven, we can be reconciled, we can be washed, our stains are removed, our, you know, 
all of our striving and our foolishness and selfishness and self-centeredness, he 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 can take that away. Not only that, but what's even greater is 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he actually gives us his righteousness. Mm-hmm. So when we go to trial, you know, when someone tears us down or has a low view of us or we, we're just devastated, we actually don't have to be. We, we could be devastated by people's opinions. We don't have to be because we know what Christ has done, how we stand before God. But what, are, what is my inheritance? What is my future? That makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, you think we've given folks enough to yeah, spur them I mean, on to yeah, to pick up this book? Like I said, you can read it in one sitting. It was funny because as we are as we were preparing for this, I'm think I'm literally trying to have my highlighter highlighter, and I was highlighting like almost every single little verse, and I was like, how am I possibly going to? Um, a speak better than Keller in this podcast, which I don't have to. But the point is, I was I was so overwhelmed with how much we had to cover. But but this is just a little taste because Good. I think what everyone should do. And this I I read this in about twenty five minutes. So this, yeah. it's a short book, and I think Troy or somebody I don't know if you have copies or or whatever, but people can find it online. I got it on Amazon for less than ten bucks, and. Uh, so I would urge everybody to read this and come and and for the cost. Of a movie with less time, the commitment uh, to a movie, you could benefit from this little resource. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that. And, uh, so yeah. this also, I would say, just at the end as we wrap up, is this also might be um, a good episode to kind of, you know, listen to in conjunction with when we talked about a couple months back. What about feelings? Because that's the th- feelings can be very deceitful in the whole realm of, of, you know, sin and pride and ego. So, um, hey, thanks for listening, folks. This has been this has been Grace Unfolding and uh, episode 14 next time. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, we'll see what we have. Thanks so much for joining us.